Welcome to the Three Thirds Back, One Third Scouts podcast. It is episode number 51, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we both? Hello. How are you guys? Long time. Well, no welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah. It was welcome an extended back. winter break. <laughs> We're just traveling it out for the World Cup, weren't we? <laughs> it was almost 50 an hour. <laughs> the commentator's curse struck. I was thinking it's easy, like the fact that we wanted to make the 50th episode so special, so we delayed it and delayed it and delayed it, and then really didn't make the 50th episode that special. Just <laughs> <laughs> really, really the regularity of the actual recording. I mean, we used to do a weekly show in person, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how times have changed. Life gets in the way. Yeah. But what? Have you had a good time away? I mean, if we actually go through the last two months, we'll be here forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, we'll be here forever. <laughs> I mean, generally, it's been okay. Ups and downs, I'm going to say mine's had. Yeah. Yeah. How about Maybe yours, Simon? I might have to dodge uh, COVID, which seems to be everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. well, it's... There's quite. A, there's not. To be fair, there's not that many. My, my mum's recently had it, and she's it's like she's been fine and stuff like that. But um, they they were meant. To, they talked about it on the news tonight that um, that it's like they're starting to panic again about how many people are in, um, how many people are in hospital again. So masks might be on the way back. Oh yeah, well, so many people I work with have got it. So basically. If you haven't got it, it means you have to come in at the moment. It's like down to the bare bones. So do you start to isolate at work? At my work, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we do as well, yeah. We've still got to be off for, uh, well, until, you, until you're negative, I think. Yeah, we're still doing that. It's just strange how every business still adopts <laughs> the approach that the government have said you don't have to do, isn't it? Just wipe your entire workforce out, though, won't you? You just keep people, just keep well, coming, in and coming in. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I think they'd said, there was one, was there not one day last week, there was like 100,000 cases in one day? No, I, like... To be honest, I'm very, very bored and fed up of it, so I've not been keeping track of anything to do with COVID recently. All I know is, I took my test on a Sunday night with my finger, hoping that I've got it, so I get five days. <laughs> <laughs> And it's negative. <laughs> but yeah. The COVID half term. Be nice, wouldn't it? Well, it's it's like a perfect combo of it's really transmissible, like even more transmissible than it's ever been. And because we're all so bored of COVID, we've ba- I mean I've pretty much wiped out all the mitigations. Like I can't remember, I've not worn a mask for ages. No, I've not worn a mask for yeah, ages. Yeah, and you know, I just go to the pub and socialise with people. Whatever, you know. Yeah, we even at work we've sort of we all you know we all sit next to each other now and you know everything. It's all you know as it was. So it's kind I of a perfect combo. I'm invading so many people's personal space to try and get the five days off work. I'm surprised <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You're diving in front of every con. <laughs> <laughs> Although I probably could have done with a bit more personal space. Oh, on Saturday, I went out on Saturday, 
And I was I went into I was in this bar and I went into um oh, it's called NQ sixty four in Northern Port. Have you been? It's like computer games. Yeah, somebody somebody put some up about it a few weeks ago. I've not been, but somebody put something up about it. It is quite good fun. Uh, but I, I went at one point I went to the toilet and then there was a guy stood next to me at your urinal who I, I thought I recognised. So I had like a bit of a I thought I went to school with him and I had a bit of a double take. And what, sort of link- what part of his anatomy did you recognise? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> we're in a compromising situation. I mean, <laughs> stare at him a bit too long to realise I didn't know him at all. He wasn't the guy. I mean, I was moments away from saying, I was, I was just about to say, hi, Peter. And then realised it actually wasn't him. Uh, luckily, he sort of took it well and we laughed it off. But I think it, it must have been a very weird situation for him. That's not the story when he goes back to his mates. No, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That guy just maintained eye contact for a little (laughs) bit too long. Yeah. So I just felt very socially awkward then. I was waiting for us, just hoping I didn't bump into him again. Because I I I was so worried the next time I went to the talk. We're walking and he's there. We got on the same uh, Same same cycle. Yeah, exactly. It'd be so awkward. <laughs> and then imagine if you would have got in next time and just completely blanked him. He's probably thinking, what yeah. to... <laughs> <laughs> he could get enough of me before. And now, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Edda, any, any th- you had a good two months? Have you yes, probably got anyone in men's toilets? No, 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 no. Not that I remember anyway. Um, <laughs> so we went, we had a stag do last weekend, weekend before. Can't remember which it was now. Uh, in Bristol, so that was good. Um, oh, were, you, were you with my brother? I was indeed, yeah. Oh, there we go. Very nice. Two days in Bristol. Uh, managed to beat the weather as well. The weather was actually quite, weather was quite nice. It was a bit cold, but the weather was, was decent enough. Um Went down on the Friday, a um, few bars, got there uh, like mid-afternoon, a few bars in the afternoon, then some food, um, then out wherever the night took us, which was Revolution. Saturday we woke up, did some West Country games, uh, which I wasn't very good at, um, and um, and then went out for some more food in, in the evening, and then went out again Saturday night, and then there were some sore heads on the Sunday on the way home. Oh, well. I'll tell you what, something did happen on the on the way down there, and this has never happened to me ever before and probably will never happen again. One of the windows in the minibus completely shattered on the way down. What, randomly? Well, it looked like a stone had, had, like, had flicked up and, and smashed one of the windows, but it was one of those windows in the minibus that was like, it was almost like a window that was encased in another bit of glass. So the part of it opened on a slide bit and then there was another bit of glass around it and it shattered the whole thing. Because wow. we were travelling like 60 miles an hour down the motorway, it was like bus stop glass that just went everywhere. And everybody's suitcases was piled on top of the, uh, was piled on top of the seats. So luckily, like nobody lost all the, the luggage and stuff as we were heading down the motorway. And parts of it just kept flying off every now and again down the motorway as we were driving down. Well, yeah, well, I, mean, I suppose luckily it smashed on the thing where the seats were. Oh, well, yeah. So who was but- driving? Um, just some, uh, just some random, just some driver that. that oh, had, uh, like, it wasn't like one of you guys. Oh no, no, no. They had to explain to them why the wind, uh, and they 
you know, didn't leave your story about the stove. No, no. So luckily, because originally, because the suitcases were, were, were there, we thought that one of them had just kind of slid, slid off and like caught a bit of the window, bit of a shot of it, and then just completely shattered it. But you know, it was, it was, it was something from outside that had done it. The suitcases weren't there. And then the lad that was sat closest to the window then had to kind of volunteer to, I think they put some cardboard up because he didn't have anything to put the cardboard up with. He basically just had to sit there for 45 minutes to an hour with his hand on this cardboard so that the, the, <laughs> um, the wind didn't keep blowing into the, into the, into the minibus. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they're not on stack, dude. Big one of the years coming up, isn't it, Simon? It Three is, weeks. Yeah. A few weeks oh away, yeah. Very well, exciting. I had to get, I had to get, I had to get myself some training in Simon, so that's why I went. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I hadn't even thought about smashing any windows. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't the know tra- you were into that. The train will be a wreck after the yeah. first step. Yeah. So how, how did you did you get back in the same minibus? Did they sort you out? What, what happens? No. So we. So well. Um, when I think somebody met spot to the driver in the day and he was just, I think he was just going to drive back. So um, I think he said he had another pickup, like not necessarily in Bristol, but down in the South somewhere. So he was going to do that and then taking them or taking whoever it was up, like back up to Manchester or back up North or wherever. Uh, but we got somebody completely different on the, in fact, we got somebody different on the Sunday and then probably within about 30, maybe about five minutes of joining the motorway, Somebody pulled right in front of the minibus, and we all nearly went. We they had to slam on, and we all nearly went flying. So, well, it sounds um, like sounds like just the journey you want back from Bristol. Yeah. With a hangover. <laughs> well, the guy, the, the the driver, basically just he. I mean, John knew where the minibus was picking him up was up from. So we kind of some one person let on to him, and he said, "Yeah, yeah." And then he just looked at everybody. He had his hood up, glasses on, and then he didn't say a word the whole trip. Didn't didn't engage a conversation. Just for the whole three and a half hours, just literally just was down like, the motorway. Sounds like a dream for my antisocial self. <laughs> wow. But no, it was good. It was good. And the, the only problem with the West Country games was a lot of it was, um, you know, like a lot of it was like gladiator type games where you had to like duel and with uh, like sumo, like wrestle with like sumo wrestling suits on and. Uh, a, a lot of it was basically if you were if you were kind of built and you were you had a bit of weight towards you you were kind of all right but if you were poor old me then you were get, being knocked off these like stepping stool things in the wind basically before somebody was trying to whack your legs to knock you off so so none of them did... were none of them were can you score in the novelty game at the end of Crazy Golf where you can win an extra game. <laughs> no. Well, there was a bit of welly wanging, so I was quite good at the welly wanging. <laughs> I think I got the most points on that, which was getting a welly into a ring. So the golf came in handy there. Yeah. Other than that, no, the other bit was like um it was one of the games where you basically had a, to put a slingshot between your legs and try and hit these um Wurzel um cutouts and you got points for doing that. There was like a total wipeout thing which was like a a big inflatable um, stick that went round in the middle and you had to jump over it. I was all right at that. So I, was, I was quite quick and nimble at doing that. But anything, I mean, the, we, we ended up kind of getting paired off and like having, like going against the same person all the time. And the, I mean, the guy that I, the guy that I was going against, he was, he was absolutely massive. I had absolutely no chance. He nearly, he nearly won. 
he got, he got that many points from me. I can't put a second to last. So, well, there we go. Good. Thank God we don't cover any of those sports on the show. Yeah, and the other one was that like we got tied into like a bungee, so you had to run and put this like inflatable cider on um, with a bit of velcro on the bottom of it as far down this lane as you could do. But again, because I weigh five stone wet. That as you the more you run at it, obviously the springier it gets. So I was good at the running bit, but then obviously when the when the tension pulled in, I practically got whiplash and <laughs> off the back of the inflatable thing I didn't get very far in the first place. You should have climbed off my insurance. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it yeah, was really good. Right, should we get on to the sport then? Let's go on to the sport. Um, so um, we'll we'll have a quick break before we get onto the sport, um, and we will uh, we'll talk about Chelsea. That's an awful lot that's happened with Chelsea since the last time we were on. So we'll discuss um, Roman Abramovich and Chelsea, um, and then we'll segue nicely into uh, to Liverpool and we'll see and we'll see where the rest of it takes us. So we'll have a quick break and we'll come back um, and we'll start to talk about Chelsea. Welcome back to the Three Thirds Mac One Third Scouts podcast, and we will start with um, Chelsea and the sale of Chelsea Football Club. Um, before we start with that, um, there's been a lot of talk about um, Roman Abramovich. So, um, regardless of her, his nationality, has um, Abramovich been good for English football or been negative for English football? I mean, he's been good for Chelsea. He's poured money into Chelsea. Um, you know, for whatever reasons, and on the pitch, and you know, then that is sort of undeniable. You know, the, Chelsea in our lifetime, pre Abramovich, weren't a sort of dominant force. There was sort of side that would, they're a bit Spursy, and you know, they'd occasionally win the FA Cup or something, and you know, they've become you know the world champions, I suppose. And I think ultimately, regardless of obviously. For English football and English football being a force, it probably has been a good thing in terms of... I mean, pre-Chelsea, I know United Champions League-wise, but there wasn't that. There wasn't like a three or four massive teams, was there? It was, at the start of the Premier League, it was United-Arsenal, really, or United. I mean, Newcastle fell off the cliff, didn't it? But there wasn't anyone... And there's only really been Chelsea... Like, Abramovich money came in and then Chelsea managed to sustain being challengers and then that's probably prompt, obviously prompted City and their owners to come in regardless of what you think of them as well but I mean as a football and enhancing the football that he's played in his money has helped contribute to because I mean because there was a period where English teams were the best in the world I suppose we're back there now aren't we in terms of City, Liverpool, and shit like that. You expect yeah, it's to make the semi-finals or something of the Champions League, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas in the past, probably pre-Abramovich, it wasn't. You weren't expecting. You were expecting English teams to get there. So he probably has stepped his money coming in and Chelsea being a force, and obviously Mourinho and what he did, and probably up the level of competition and made clubs think of it more. So he probably he has been a purely. Yeah. Being able to pump the money in and do that, 
probably has raised the standard of English football in some ways. But so, so the next person that comes in, are they going to be? Are they going to be willing to write off one point five billion pounds in the next fifteen years? Do you think? Well, this is the thing. I, th- I, I always think that when it comes to like your mega clubs, your sort of United, your Liverpool's, your Chelsea's. There's basically two types of, you know, the days of a local businessman done good, you know, Martin Edwards or Jack Walker buying the league at Blackburn. You know, those days are long gone. Your big clubs have got two types of owners. Well, three, I suppose. You include, like, fan ownership, like they have in Spain and and Germany. But, you know, that's never really been a thing over here. You're either owned by a sort of often American business person, your Glazers, your John Henrys, Cronky at Arsenal, who are trying to basically, you know, it's part of like a wider, they own a heap of different sports franchises across the world, and that's how they try and make their money. Or you're owned by someone incredibly wealthy, whether that's Qatar and PSG, Saudi Arabia and Newcastle, Abramovich and Chelsea, who are using this as a bit of a plaything for whatever reason, whatever sort of sport washing reason to try and distract from other things that go on or just because they love football, whatever. And it looks to me like the peop- all the people that are getting linked with Chelsea are in the main more on the American business groups that own different sporting franchises brand. Yeah, is it the is it the is there a is there a consortium one of them owns the New York Jets? Is that is it is it is that is that the Griffin family? Is that the or the Griffiths family? I've, I've, I've yeah, and is the, is the one that owns the Chicago Cubs? Yeah, yeah, about yeah that, one. that might be them actually. That might be them that own the the Griffin or Griffiths family that own the own the Cubs. Um, I, think the th- I think the other thing is with Chelsea, obviously, like you say, uh, City's owners that like they've come in and basically pumped money in through fake sponsorships, haven't they, in, in essence? You can sponsor the training ground for a billion pound. Obviously, it's not that, but... And then they, they kind of pump money in that way, whereas Abramovich with Chelsea, he hasn't done that, has he? He's just been basically... Just I'm, written him a check, yeah. On the club this much money, and like you say, he's wrote it all. So, no, I, it's very difficult, isn't it? You're not, you're not going to get... But I don't know of any other owner that actually does that. You know, any like single person. I know we can say Newcastle and Vlad, uh, but I don't know that that many owners that actually do that, where they just write loans out all the time and they can afford to do that. So Chelsea aren't going to be able to go back to them days, are they? And they're not actually, they're not self-sufficient either without a brand. Oh, well, they're, they're nowhere near self-sufficient. No, yeah. So well, they've had to use their, they've, I mean, one of the big things that they talked about recently is obviously the... Um, the money that they make from the amount of players that they've got. If you think about, I think they the money that they've generated from that, I can't remember off the top of my head now because it came up when Liverpool's accounts were released quite recently, but the money from Tammy Abraham, um, potentially, and then uh, was it Matt Gay as well that went in the summer? Yeah, Tamori um, to AC, that sort yeah, of stuff. Tamori. Um, I mean, I would have thought that probably Conor Gallagher will probably end up getting... Um, will probably stay at Chelsea next year, but there's a very good chance that he might end up going back to Palace. It's probably another 25, 30 million quid. So I think the amount, the amount of money that they've generated from their academy over the last like five years, I think he's twice any other club because they've just they've just been able to generate quite 
But, but even money. then, all that money gets completely wiped out by, you know, signing Lukaku and Vern. Oh, and, you know, absolutely. So, you know, there's, there's no way. The thing that all these owners eventually find out is there is no way you can efficiently run a major football club. No. And yeah, if you, if, you make, if you want to make money, you don't buy a football club. No, yeah, exactly. You only buy your only hope is that you can then sort of sell them off on a profit in five years' time, I guess. Well, I mean, that's right. Newcastle. Well, yeah. You, you are right about the fact that he, it's weird the way that he never, he never sort of used them to advertise. I, like, I couldn't really tell you any of his business interests outside of the fact he made a lot of money in oil. In, in the way that you obviously sort of, <laughs> you do always know with, with all the others. Well, you know, when, Stanford Bridge. Like, it's not, it's not, it's still Stanford Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sort of naming rights to the stadium. He's not. It's literally just right. You need a check for this much each month. Okay, there you go. And the, the, that's what I'm saying. There will be no other owner out there in the world. There will be no one who comes and buys that will do it that way. No. And that's, that's, one of the other things it, it threw up as well was obviously that there's, there's obviously the what well, most most clubs are. I say most clubs. There's some clubs obviously will come in and go right. The first thing we'll do is we'll build a new stadium or we'll do something to the stadium. They can't really do anything to that. And this, the, what, is it the Chelsea Pitch Association or the Chelsea Pitch? Like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get, I don't get that. Is that some? Is that a, like? A, so my a, understanding a, is that so before Abramovich took over, I'm not 100 percent sure this is true. Like, still the case, but before Abramovich took over, Chelsea under Ken Bates were a bit of a mess. And they had done that classic thing that desperate football teams always do: is they had sold the ground. To this this group, who are basically loads of really rich Chelsea fans who live in Chelsea, but then I think they they never really sold it back back to Abramovich because they sort of had enough money because there's really rich Chelsea fans they sort of didn't need to sell it to him, and I think that's how it always ended up in a bit of a weird situation. But I don't know how that ever resolved itself. Because they were originally, were they not originally looking at? Was it one of the power stations that was there? Is it was it Battersea, Battersea, power, Battersea station? power Station? Yeah, they were linked with that at one point. Yeah, and it just, and it just wasn't viable for because them to the, do. The, the thing is, Stamford Bridge is in London's fashionable West End. And it's in sort of West London, so as just like sort of prime real estate land. If you were to knock that down and build some houses, it you know be the most valuable real estate in the country. Yeah. I mean, well, well, what do we think, regardless of who comes in, what do we think the future for Chelsea holds? I mean, because like we say, there's not going to be anyone like Abramovich coming. So, are Chelsea a spent force, kind of? Are they struggling to, are we expecting around top four, but not challenging for trophies? Or what What we're we expecting? I, I think I, they've, I, got, they've got, go, go on, Simon, sorry. No, no, you go, you go on. I was just going to say, the. I think the revenue thing is obviously going to be going to be a big problem because they'd even, they'd even talked about well from a, an FFP point of view how fair is it that all of a sudden Abramovich has just been basically just decided he's just going to sell. They he basically has he, he is a, he is a, he is accredited to Chelsea Football Club for the to the tune of one point five billion pound, but he's saying he will just not. That's just it now. He he's not going to take any money for well, that's surely that defeats the object of Chelsea like complying with FFP. 
because well, he's not allowed to take any of the money at the moment, so he'd have to. He'd have yeah, to, he'd have to goes to, into some no, way. No. But pre that, pre Chelsea being yeah, seized, yeah. Was saying that oh right off all the debts, wasn't it? Because if he'd have said, "Oh, well, I'm going to sell the club to whoever, but I want my 1.5 billion pound back," then I'm not quite sure there'd have been that many people. Because I mean, at the minute, there seems to be this mark of around two billion, and there seems to be a few people now saying, "Well, we'll offer more than two, or slightly more than two, or two and a quarter, or but two and a quarter plus your 1.5 billion pound back." I don't know anybody that would end up paying that for Chelsea. Just seem it just seems it just seems really really odd that that's that that's the situation that's happened, and obviously it throws up throws up into limbo the fact that um, because of the license they've got with the government that they I mean they should be able to sell tickets and just be able to store the money. I don't understand how difficult that can possibly be, but they can't renegotiate contracts because they don't they potentially what is it Christiansen Asperliqueta and. Rudiger and it's and Rudiger as well that they're out of contract in the summer, um, and and kind of until it gets sorted, um, when the government took hold of it, I thought, well, that's probably not likely to happen as fast as Chelsea wanted to happen. Then I, I don't know, but I mean, going well, forward, yeah, it did I mean, strike me that if if they end up in a situation where they have to sort of go, it's not resolved before this summer, and then first of all. You know, they'll have this issue of people leaving. Presumably, they wouldn't be able to buy anyone in, under their current state. But they also, as you sort of mentioned, Chelsea, quite a big part of their sort of setup is that they get all these kids in, loan them out for a few years, and then sell them. But if they were in a situation where they're not allowed to do any, they presumably they'll all come back from their loan spells, and then they wouldn't be able to send them back out on loan, would they? Two hundred players. Yes, yeah, so they'll just be left with like forty players, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden, you know, Bora or whoever, they're not allowed to send out Gallagher again. But the, the other thing, why I think I I think they'll get sold quite quickly, is just because from a popularity thing from the government, it's in their interest to get it all done quite quickly, isn't it? Yeah. Football, football's a huge thing, and if they if they suddenly tech Chelsea, who like you say European champions, champions of the world, and then because they mess about and don't sell them and get a new owner in to make them start buying and selling players again, and Chelsea suddenly, I mean, they're not going to slide dramatically down the table, are they? But suddenly aren't competitive anymore. Like, popularity-wise, that, that's a bit of a... You can't well, really... The other thing is, I think all the people that are getting linked with buying them seem like pretty serious people who will be able to sort of prove their funds quite easily. It's not like the sort of cowboys that end up buying clubs like Barry and Macclesfield and stuff like that. And you think, well, you know, maybe there should be more due diligence done. It sort of seems like these are pretty serious people who own other major assets, whether that's an American football team or a baseball no, team no. or whatever. It comes back to what Jesus doesn't it? Like, obviously, if Abramovich would have just, let's say he got bored with it and instead of everything happening, what's going on, and it hangs out, see, say he just went, Right, I'm selling, but I need my 1.5 billion back. He, although he's got the money to finance Chelsea for what he's been involved, like Chelsea would be then screwed, wouldn't they? Yeah, or if it, like if, if just at any point in the last 20 years, yeah, yeah, at any point but in the last 20 years, he's just gone. Look, I'm not writing off. I'm not. I'm not sending you a check. I'm not sort of paying the debt this year. Yeah. So then, uh, what uh, you go back to the fit and proper persons test and financial fair play. It's 
it's, it doesn't really make that much difference, does it? Which is exactly the same as that. It's comparable to them burying all these other clubs that struggle because someone comes in, finances for a bit, get bored, and then pull out, and then massive debts to that. Chelsea just basically the same, but in a in a just a they happen to have the he he's backed it for longer. But I mean that's that's exactly the same situation with you know Newcastle and Manchester City now. You know if yeah, if they pull out, they're screwed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. The, these things always work until the moment they don't work, and then you're like... I mean, in some ways, it sounds like we're bigging up the Glazers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Just a just a nice family business. <laughs> <laughs> don't pump too much money in. But... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, to be honest, I, I think... Well... Do you think the, the likes of Asperger and Rudiger and Christensen will leave? Well, apparently Rudiger's already agreed to go to Juventus. I thought that. I, I think that the the story that I read about that was very much paper talk because it was very much. I think one one like one person well like one part of the new that news the newspapers have kind of said, "Oh, this is what's happening." And I was like, "Oh, that that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit." But it's going to get to a point soon where they're going to think, "Well." Normally, you'd negotiate the contracts way before they've got until June. So surely they're not going to wait and see, especially with clubs sniffing around, going, "Well, we'll just take, we'll just take them." It's not yeah. like it's not like Danny Drinkwater is going to be out of contract <laughs> in June, and there he's going, "Well, he'll sort himself out of Chelsea. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it." So, I reckon Aspilicueta will just wait until it all gets sorted and then sign a one-year deal. Yeah, I think he's kind of the, he's been around too long, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's got quite a good relationship with the fans, so I think he'll be going to stay. But I think Rudrum Christigan Christensen, I think they might just bugger off somewhere. But then, if if Chelsea can't get anyone in as replacements, unless it's sold, and I mean Chelsea might have to sell players. They might have, this summer might be the summer they might have to actually sell players and not and not in order to actually buy somebody else. I bet Lukaku's furious. Yeah, <laughs> he might. He might have to be sold. Oh dear. Well, I mean, but... we can segue this nicely into Manchester United as well. But obviously, Tuchel's there, been linked heavily with Manchester United. Do you think he'll still be? Well, so I, I think the moment has gone. I think there was, a, there was a moment when it looked like Chelsea could really descend into a bit of a mess, and you know when they weren't allowed to have any, and it was, it was a bit like. They weren't allowed to have any money coming in and they didn't seem to have enough money to really last for much longer. I think we're kind of past that point. And I think, I think that was the moment when maybe Tuchel was gettable. I think Tuchel will probably just wait it out now, see what these new owners are like. The new owners will, even if long-term, they're not going to sort of spend and run Chelsea the, same, the way Abramovich did. They'll probably in the first summer will want to sort of get the fans on board. I, I just sort of feel like Tuchel may well hold out now and just see how it goes. And the other thing is, whoever the new owners are, they're prob- they'll probably be quite impressed, by the way, that Tuchel is this manager who seems to take happy to just be out on the front line taking so much flack. He's not really... He's not called Chelsea out at any stage, has he? You know, he's he's the only senior person at Chelsea who ever does any interviews. You know, you're not you don't hear Peter Chat getting interviewed. He's supposed to be like quite 
or you know any of these other like senior well, he's director. He's their director of football, I think, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Bruce, I don't know what Bruce Book sounds like. No, or looks like for that matter. Yeah, and you're like, you know, if I was if I was too club, I'd be turning to these people, say, well, why don't you field a few questions every now and again, instead of leaving me to constantly be out having to do post-match interviews where I'm just made to explain Chelsea's moral and financial situation. I thought that minibus, that, that minibus driver that we had who dropped us off at Bristol, he must have been taking the Chelsea team up to their uh, to the next <laughs> away. So, would you have wanted uh, Tuchel at United's own? Yeah, I think he would have been perfect, actually. I think he's, he, you know, he really did go into Chelsea and instantly made them better, didn't he? His record in Cups is so good. He knows the league. I think it would have been absolutely ideal if we could have had two cool. How do you, how do you feel? Oh, uh, I think two has got the kind of similar reputation as like a Mourinho Conte kind of goes in, short term success, ruffles a few feathers, doesn't get with people up above, and then you end up back at square one, which I think suits a Chelsea kind of model of what they've been doing for the past 20 years but I don't really want that at United anymore so as much as I think he's a good coach and would probably bring some success I don't know if I, I similarly I don't know if we've got the squad to actually I mean you've got to remember when he took over as bad as Frank Lampard I mean Frank Lampard wasn't the greatest coach and wasn't right for Chelsea but the transfer so window yeah, well, the transfer window before he went, he actually got like he got Havertz in and players like that, and got quite a lot of good players in. So it wasn't like the squad was a shambles when Tuchel came in. He didn't really have to do anything; he just had to give them some direction. Whereas at United, I don't think the squad's there to actually do what. Well, Tuchel yeah, but I think this is where we disagree. So I don't think the squad at United's a shambles. I really think <sighs> at the start of the season, I was looking at the United squad, thinking, yeah. This is better than the Chelsea squad. I agree. I think I was in the same boat. But well, I... not the players haven't become disasters over six months, have they? No, I think my my big issue with the United squad is that they're just not consistent. I don't. There's not. Yeah, yeah but surely that's a more. There's not seven players in that squad that you would go right. They're the core of the team, and they're going to give me. Seven, eight out of ten every week, and then we we pick three others in there. That's that's my issue with the United squad. Oh, see, I, I mean, completely differently. I I think there are seven players there that you could go. Yeah, they'll they'll give you a solid seven out of ten. It's just the other four aren't really up to it. And actually, if you signed four really big improvements on them, you'd be fine. So oh, who are your seven? David De Gea. Yeah, but there was a period last season. Where... Right, well, well, I'm talking about now, aren't I? No, I know, but well, yeah, I mean, well, even, even then, even then, I, I think Dean Henderson, you'd be fine. Um, and, you know, I think both of them would wouldn't be out of their depth at any of the sides above us in the league. Um, Luke Shaw, uh, one. Uh, I'll agree, one. No, <laughs> no, sure, you're giving me De Gea. I'd say this season, yeah, but I don't... I mean, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm talking right now, in this moment. Okay. Well, well De Gea's been our best player this season, so yeah. She, okay. Yeah. Is it Luke Shaw? That's two. 
who, who, you know, has had a disastrous few months. But in general, I think it is fine. I think Mag- I, I think Maguire and Varane are fine. And actually, I think Lindelof is also fine as a sort of as three centre halves. I think that you're going to pick two of them. I think most of the time you're going to be okay. I think McTominay and Fred are very much your, almost your definition of solid seven out of ten players, but not really superstars. Bruno, how many? Up to, how many? How many have I done that? That's seven straight away. I've well, not even got yeah. to Sancho yet. I, I, I thought you were going to say. I genuinely thought. I, I thought I'll give Simon the the the, the goalkeeper and, and maybe two out of the three central defenders that you picked. When you mentioned McTominay and Fred, I did not think the next words out of your mouth was seven out of ten. Well, I think would, how Fred, would you describe them? I think the fact oh. that your defence is struggling so much is that you don't have anybody that seems to be able to stop the ball going past them. Fred is not a defensive midfielder. McTominay is not a defensive midfielder. I don't know what either of them two are. I neither agree. of them two are a, a, a neither of them two are consistent. And if you are going to play two in there and then let everybody else do whatever they want to do, the, the four further in front of them, and with Shaw and whoever the right back is bombing forward, they need to be two very good players on the ball. And the problem is they're not. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think the, the two players who are quite well suited to being a sort of box-to-box in a three-man midfield. I think you would. I think you'd be. I think I don't think your squad is that bad. I think the fact that you you play the the best players that played well last year have dropped off a cliff this year. Well, not necessarily dropped off a cliff, but they've just not performed very well this year. And the players that have got worse. So Maguire, for instance, has just been yeah. absolutely this year. Sure, I wouldn't say he's been a disaster, but. He's not. He's not the left back that played for England in the summer. Absolutely nowhere, and even towards the back in the last season when United were playing well. And I just think the middle of that midfield has been crying out for somebody to just, for, even for two. I think you need two players now. I don't even think you need one. I think I don't even think signing Declan Rice would just fix that problem because I still think you've then got to play with McTominay or Fred. I think you have to sign two players in that in, in that position this summer. But, uh, you know, if you look at a team like Newcastle, you know, they didn't sign that many players in January. But then all of a sudden, I think if you just get three good players in, I think it completely changes the makeup. You know, people become more confident. I, th- I just think, it, you know, suddenly people do, don't do look out of their depth. I, I, so I think if you put Fred in the Man City team, like he nearly, you know, Pep was linked with signing Fred for City. I actually don't think he'd be that out of his depth. I think he'd sort of be fine. He would be. Oh, Simon, yeah. he misplayed so many passes. Easy passes as well. This is the problem. But you've got to bear in mind, if you're at City, I think people are constantly running into space and it's constantly an easy pass on. No. No. I, he's I, I, think I think when Fred feels a bit more confident, he's actually fine. Look, what was the last game he played where he did that little trick? The Athletic Madrid game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant, Fred! You look great. But he's not, playing like, he's not playing on the left wing, though, is he? He's, playing, he's supposed to be playing in the centre midfield. You tell me next week he's going to do that. Can't. That's the problem. There are games where you go, Fred. Oh bloody hell! Yeah, actually, Fred, you're a decent player. They're all Paul Pogba's. They're all give you nine out of tens this week, and then you go, oh yeah, get get him out of my club. That's my issue. I don't you. Scott McTominay runs around a lot, but again, his passing is woeful. And they won't pass forward, and they can't pass forward. We had Michael Carrick, who would sit at the base of a midfield, get it off the back foot, 
bang, feed so, it in. So, how did this? How, how did this squad finish second last season? If they're as bad as you think they are, because I think I think the players so play, players can have a good season. I think play, yeah. the United you know, had had very good seasons. You think about Greenwood in spurts had good seasons. Fernandez was was incredible for part for parts last season. Um, Maguire was. The defense worked because the defense did did what it needed to do. The fullbacks were fine. There, there wasn't really that many issues, but at the same time, Arsenal were, for want of a better word, shite. Chelsea weren't great because they they just sat, they'd had such a bad start at the start of the season that they sacked the manager. We were rubbish because we were playing with the eighth and ninth choice centre halves and no captain for the last like three months of the year. You only beat us in the league by five points. We didn't have a centre half for the, practically the entire season. And I think that don't get me wrong, the, the Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo, and even I thought they're they're three very very good signings. But if you just said to me the the the, it is really difficult because Ronaldo has scored a lot of goals, and I think Ronaldo has generally played okay. But that I feel like that's been to the detriment of the players that are around him. So Ronaldo has done well, but not so well that he scored thirty five league goals to make up for how bad everybody else is playing. And I don't, I don't know what's happened to Fernandez. I, I, I mean, it still shows on the graphs that he's creating as, as many chances as Alexander Arnold. So unless United are missing every open, uh, open goals, like who's he creating chances for? Because United don't seem to be creating twenty chances a game. No, with the, with the uh, last month, six weeks, we going forward, we're not actually that bad. We 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 do create decent opportunities, we're just not taking them. I tell you, my my thing now is, I just feel like Ronaldo has contributed. Like you say, he he's scoring, he's second top goal scorer in the league behind Salah, isn't he? With twelve and Salah's about twenty, so he's not like he's doing his job in a way. But I mean, I think we all at the start of the season, a last minute signing probably wasn't a Solskjaer signing. Probably ended up what end up getting Solskjaer sacked because it wasn't Solskjaer's style of play. Solskjaer's style of play was sit back and then break. And then all of a sudden he got this team that he needed to play a different style of football. And that's when things started going wrong. Rangnick's come in. And then we've got Ronaldo. And he's, he's I admit he's scoring. He's doing that. I don't know. You're not going to stop Ronaldo scoring. But I'll say... We're not going to, we weren't going to build a team around him because we, it's not a long-term plan. He might be there next year. He'll score some goals again, but that's just covering fact, over a crack fact, again. Like I said, Rosso, I like, you, there's players that you can rely on and players that you can't. And it seemed to be that Ranjik had to drop him from the derby for him to come back and play against Spurs like he did, which was, again, very much a case of, I think he'd gone like, what, nine games without a goal before then. That's yeah, he massive. wasn't scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, and then all of a sudden, the that um, the the game against Spurs looked like it looked like he was a world beater again. But you can't have six games where he doesn't score, and then he comes and scores an hat trick, and then everybody thinks, "Oh, Ronaldo's fine for the next five games." And he doesn't score, then he has a good game again. Five games. No, no, later. no. I I agree. Yeah, I agree. But he's scoring more goals than anyone else in the team, isn't it? And then, I mean, obviously, we we know what's happened to Greenwood. The drop-off in Marcus Rashford has just has been absolutely unbelievable. I think this is this is some of my issues with the squad because Rashford sh- 
in that team is one of the senior members of the squad. He's been around the first team. I know he's only young still, and you can say that. But how long has he been? Six six seasons? He's an established, regular, first team, senior member of that squad. It just seems to be... He's had too many games where it's just... Ugh, ugh. Oh, it's, but it's but just he's clearly... This. I just think he's exhausted and he's low on confidence. And his entire career has been one big upward trajectory. And he's probably having to deal with having a massive dip in form in public for the first time ever. I, I just think it'd be a bit quick to sack everything off with him. You know? I can't believe that they're talking to get rid of him. Exactly. I think it's madness, that talk. I, I, anything, I, bet, I, I, just, I just think, I just think if, you, I just, if you give up on him now, I just think it will be... I, I just think it will not necessarily be a disaster for him because he could very well go somewhere else. I mean, I, I, the likelihood is he goes abroad. I don't think I don't think he'd I don't think he'd stay in the Premier League, but there's been more than enough takers to, to have him to have him abroad easily. Well, you tell me what top team in England he gets in. Not at the minute, but last season, season before. I mean, could he could he have played up front for United? Uh, could he have played up front for City? Not not this season. He can't no because his, his confidence is shot to the floor. But if you, City are crying out for a striker, I don't know why he couldn't play there. I think I I think the, one of my issues now is with United. I think we're getting reeled into these highlight real players who do something special once every two or three games, and then we forget the kind of like we used to have like the Van Nistelrooy's who bundled in a goal from five yards out, but we won the game. Kind of like yeah, Ronaldo might. Um, Rashford used to be, we'd smash one from twenty five yards in, it'd be amazing. But then I think we've now got I think we've got to that point. It's kinda of like, oh, he's done something good two games ago, so he must be there's just no that that's my issue. There's just no consistency. There's no way of oh, he's gonna consistently do what he's doing. Sancho's the only one in the last six weeks who you go, Oh, yeah, he's playing well. But but, but what's your solution to that? Bin him off. <laughs> you need to bring in the right. You need to bring in a manager that creates. No, well, I tell you, I tell you what. My my issue. I, so, I, my big thing. I would like you said, Cheetah, the midfield. We should have sorted that out two seasons ago, because as much as you might like McTominay and Fred, they are not going to win us a league title. I they? completely agree. So um, where should, we should be aiming for league titles. So yeah. we've we've put up with Tommy and Fred for two, three seasons, knowing that they're not going to get us anywhere near the league title. And we've not invested in the midfield. And we've had Pogba going, well, Pogba might be good. How long has he been there now? Four years? Oh, I completely agree. And that, that's my issue. So I'm not saying... You can have Rashford and he'll produce a moment of magic every now and again. But I'm saying at this moment, we you can't rely on him. Sancho's the only one that's consistently doing things that you can rely on. Ronaldo, I know you said, cheesy, that he didn't score for nine games, but he's still our top goal scorer. You just but need these players. It's still a Manchester United. It's like it's still like he, he, he scored three of them in the, in, against Newcastle on the opening day of the season, didn't he? So he's like, it's not like he's done, United aren't scoring goals. The only problem is, is they're only scoring goals against teams that are in the bottom five. Yeah, but that's because of our midfield, because you can't rely on them to play bloody passes forward. 
I just I think just, if you uh, signed Declan uh, Rice, everything would look so different. <laughs> I think you need a manager first. Declan Rice is a pick in the day. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a top quality manager and Declan Rice. But who's I the, think who's you get right in that help, but then Pogba goes. So then and, who's and, the and a really good right back. I think you need. I think you need. I think you need to not worry about the defense. I think you need to worry about signing two players who are going to play in midfield for the for the next ten years for United. And one of them's Declan Rice, and that's fine. And find another one. Don't bother. Don't bother buying another striker, another defender, another goalkeeper. Just buy no. I actually think we probably do stick. need. Another, I think we do need another striker because Cavani will definitely leave. Martial will probably leave. I don't see Greenwood playing for the club again. No, I agree, but I think you could get away with it. If you if you got a decent midfield in, there is enough attacking talent yeah. for United that you will score goals that you could oh, adopt. Yeah, yeah, not I agree. You could adopt the City approach and not, not play with a recognised striker and you would still score goals. And then you I mean, could... So, yeah. so next season, in the summer, you sort that midfield out, get away, go a season playing with a false nine or not recognised striker. And yeah, you'll lose some games and you'll get a bit of criticism. But then the summer after, go out and get a striker. The, the biggest I, problem, I, the biggest problem they've got is they need, to find, they need to find a decent manager and they are becoming few and far between at the minute. And you need to get the Champions League. Well, that's gone, isn't it? I mean, in some ways, I'll tell you I what, I'll the, tell you the, go on. The other thing, I mean, we all slated Arsenal at the start of the season, didn't we? Oh, yeah, but, yeah. I was, I was big on the Arteta out. Yeah, Arteta fraud train, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the hope I get from Arsenal is that they went for a young manager, they backed him, they went through the rough patch, they didn't just sack him when everything was going terribly and everyone was saying Arsenal in absolute shambles. He's had time on the training ground. They've had time. I'm not saying I want time out of Europe, but they've had all these things, and they've gone for young, up and coming. They've got all them in, and then they've they've got a system in place, and now they look, they look like a good team. And done, they've done it all with a, a temperamental striker and no central midfield as well. But what they've done, what I, I mean, again, what Arteta's done quite well. He got Aubameyang out of the club because he was obviously a disruptive influence. He's got a few others out of the club. And he's kept the ones that he thinks they're, they're good lads to have around. And now, the, since Christmas, since Aubameyang's gone, they've been brilliant, haven't they? I'm well, saying they, we need... Yeah, but, yeah they've, they've, I mean, they've, they've, made, they've made a start. They've beaten the teams that they should have probably beaten with Aubameyang in the team and the rest of the guys that, did, that were still there in January. Yeah, but right, before, you've, you've got to get... Christmas, they weren't before. Doing that. before Christmas, they weren't doing that. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I, I absolutely get it. But who? Who's well, the, the other young... thing is they've, they've made big calls. I was listening to Paul Merson. I quite put Paul Merson on this the other day, actually. It maybe he's more of an inspiration to me than I think he is, but I'm pretty much aware of. But they've made big calls in the transfer window that, you know, other teams, no one was saying Aaron Ramsdale, what a great signing at the start of the season. Oh, uh, no, you know, I, 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 What do you say, sorry? I'm saying Ben White, great signing either. Exactly, yeah. You're thinking, no, have they overpaid for Ben White? Is Ramsdale that much better than Martinez if they let go a couple of years ago? All this sort of stuff. But, you know, know, they identified the players they wanted and they've they've come good. Yeah, no, I agree. I I agree. That's insult. But United aren't doing that, are they? Because we're 
Well, I mean, this let's is my, be big, my big worry is when Woodward first took over our transfers and stuff, there was a few years of him really been out of his depth. You know, that first summer after Ferguson left, when it got right to the end of the transfer window, all we did was sign Fellaini. Uh, you know, that we we paid a lot of money for Mata. All that, you know, it took him a while to get up to speed with what, and even you know, you could argue he never really did. This guy, this new guy, needs to hit the ground running. Like whatever the process is, whatever the team is, I don't know how influential Darren Fletcher is. I don't know who has how influential Ralph Ranick's going to be, but whoever's job it, however it works amongst them lot. They really need to hit the ground running because it's such. It feels like such a big summer for United. Cavani will go. A number of players will be out. So is, is Ranjit staying? Going. Ranjit's definitely staying in, in some sort of upstairs capacity. So surely he must be signing the play. You can't. You can't expect a manager to come in and just instantly sign players. Surely well, he must be the one. Bit, that's going to it's sign all a bit vague about how it's going to work. But I don't. I don't know but, what. I, I mean, what? What is Rangnick's philosophy? What does What does Rangnick want to play? Well, I mean, he, he wanted to play four two two two, didn't he? But I think he quit. Uh, I mean, this is why I admire Rangnick. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's the greatest manager, but I think I admire him for. He played the four two 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 at the first game. I think this is the thing that, that I quite admire about. Quickly realise we haven't got the players at the club to do that or the ones that are going to adapt to do that. So he's changed his system um, and gone with kind of the more what Solskjaer had built a team towards. And then he's gone with that. Uh, what I, Going back to like the, the transfer window things that you say, Simon, it is a massive window because it needs to be forward thinking. Like, we were all praising the Maguire and Wan-Bissaka thing. And I still think they're not bad signings. The Maguire's... I know we, everyone moans about the transfer price. We, the price we paid for him uh, and how he's had a shocker of a season. He hasn't been great. But I think that's half to do with the fact that now anything he does is constantly under the microscope. Anyone else could make a little tiny mistake like Maguire does and they'd, they'd be all right for the rest of the game. Whereas Maguire makes it, that's it. For the, it'll be uh, everywhere on social media slated. And that's affecting his confidence. Wan-Bissaka was good under the system that Solskjaer played because he just wanted him to be a defender. But then attacking-wise, he's never really kicked on. So they were good signings and they seemed decent people. What I would say is, obviously, um, Woodward knew that the last summer was his last transfer window. Got Ronaldo in because he knew that would be a fan's favourite. I brought Ronaldo back to the club. What a great person I am. I half think Varane's Maybe on a similar... I'm glad Varane's at the club because he's probably an improvement. But then at the same time, if he was that good, Real Madrid would still want him. And he wouldn't have come to United. He's not made everybody around him better, has he? No, that's what I'm saying. He's 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 got a lot of injuries, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's where I think... think, Is his heart in this like United project? Because he's not available all the time. Is it more just... That's what I'm saying. So it's kind of like shirts that like, you know, yeah, we've got World Cup winner Varane at our club. But like you say, he's injured a lot. He's not, he's not, he's not made our defence rock solid in a way. I just think, I just think we need to get away from this. I mean, the only one, Rice is the only one who's probably a big name that you go, he's one for the future and a big name. We need to stop signing 29-year-olds really and, 
sign. It's like you're in a win. You're in, you're like you're in win now mode, but you just sign. You just sign in. It's like you just. It's like you've got a pack of panini stickers, and you just go. Well, we've got six players here. We'll get signed three of these, and then we'll just make it work. Well, look. If I'd been in Ed Woodward's position last summer, and someone had come up to me and gone, "Do you want to sign Ronaldo?" I would have gone, "Yeah." And no, my, I agree. My fundamental problem has always been. I'm not convinced the people running Manchester United know more about football than I do. You know, <laughs> I think they are just people like us, who are football fans. And, you know, you go, yeah, Ronaldo, of course, what sign Ronaldo? But I think, I think that was, that's massive influence by the fact that Woodward went for the Super League, and he was a he's a massive villain at United. So for him to say, I brought Ronaldo back to the club. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Whereas what Whereas, we need is people who know more about football than us. Where if he would have gone, no, you know what's there? I'm not going to get Ronaldo in. I'll sign. I mean, the, the other big thing, we had Bellingham having tours of the club and we lost out on him. Well, yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of people were trying to court Bellingham and Haaland. And, you no, know, no, Dortmund, Dortmund but, have a proven track record with, of getting these young lads in. I agree. But I think this is symptomatic of the fact that for the last however many years at United, young, young players now look at us and go, uh, that's not the place. For no, me. no, no. I completely disagree. I, th- I think, I, I, look, I reckon City, Liverpool and Chelsea all tried to get Bellingham and Haaland and all failed. And we're not sat here going, well, what an absolute disaster. I think the thing for, I think the thing for United is at the minute that there's no way that anybody in the upper echelons of United went, I know what this team needs, eight, uh, 30 million quid on a, on a 16-year-old, Jude, Jude no, Bellingham, that's going to sort that. No, sure, because I'm sure the story was that they were bringing Ferguson in to show him round. No, I think they, they laid out the red carpet. I just think ultimately I'm not, he, was well, that's what, very, he was well advised to stay clear of United and go to Dortmund where he was going to you know, get straight in the team and whatever. That's my point. That's what would have happened. He would have just been sat on the bench at United. He wouldn't have played. And he's yeah. gone to Dortmund playing in the yeah, Champions League. Yeah, the same would have happened if he'd gone to City. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, with, you saw that with, with Foden. I mean, it was a bit more of an acceleration, I think, with Foden. But that Foden had to wait his time and sit on the bench and play in the Carabao Cup. And with Bellingham, practically, I mean, he's, I mean, he's not played every game, but he's played most of the games for the last two seasons. <sighs> yeah, look. I mean, all I would say is when Liverpool spent 30 years between one league trophy to the next, I thought, nah. Well, you've, got a, you've, got a lot, you've got a long way to your next one, haven't you? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't seem that unrealistic now for United. 10 That's years goes fast, doesn't it? Yeah. What a time to bring a child up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I would say. I thought they were just pressed with Jay's fans, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Salford Tilly Domino. Right. Like I said, my heart breaks every time he says United are the best club in England. I think, oh, not the best team anymore. Yeah. I'm going to have to go to bed soon, but uh, quickly on Liverpool. Well, first of all, before we get into the Liverpool chat, this thing about Liverpool and City and the FA Cup semi final and the fact there's no trains on is an absolute disgrace. Like, it's just such... The way, the contempt we treat football fans in this country. Well, Andy Burnham and whatever he's called, Steve Rotherham. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise you if they rejected it, would it? 
Well, surely they're not going to play at Old Trafford. I mean, you think that, that that's the most logical solution for them to play at Old Trafford, but surely they're not going to put 60,000 Liverpool and City fans in playing at Old Trafford. They're probably going to play at Villa Park, I would have thought. I mean, I, I still hate the fact that FA Cup semi-finals are played at Wembley. Yeah, it was always a bad idea, that, wasn't it? it was just, just to make cost. some money. Yeah. I love the fact that... that the final day is special because it's at Wembley. Now it's yeah. not as special. But it used to be on at nine o'clock in the morning, didn't it? it used to be the, like FA Cup day. It used to start at nine o'clock in the morning. The big football show on first, and you just watch the practically the whole you'd thing. Watch the, you'd watch the team bus. Yeah, you'd see what bad Liverpool suits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I, I mean, the the big thing about Liverpool is, I mean, I bet you didn't believe it, Cheddar, but. Since we lasted the podcast, you know, in a title race again. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been very interesting. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think that we probably, I didn't think that we win eight in the bounce. I think the biggest victory of the lot was the Arsenal game because that was the game where it was probably our second hardest game on, in the running. Obviously, with the exception of the City game, um, but we've just we've just managed to we've just managed to we've stopped leaking goals, we've scored goals and we've needed to score goals. We've not necessarily been blowing teams away, but I mean the fact that City have dropped points against the same three teams all season bodes well for when we play them in in a in a few weeks' time because they, they've lost and was it they've lost and drawn to Spurs, they've lost to Palace and drawn with Palace, and they've I think lost it's the Salam so huge that game, isn't it? And then they've drawn with us. They're the only teams that have dropped points against them. So, but yeah, it does feel like. I mean, I mean, the fact that there could have been, we could have got them in the Champions League as well, and we would have played four games in, in the space of eleven days, would have just been, I think, too much for my heart to handle. So, so what day is that league match on? League matches on us is the day after yours. Thank you. Oh, is it? Oh, so it's that Super Sunday. It's on the, it's on massive, in it. It's on the Sunday. Yeah. Oh, uh, are you working? What, what are you doing? I, I know you sort of plan out your your shift pattern around Liverpool matches. I think I am working. Um, if I remember rightly, off the top of my head. Oh no, I think I'm off. I think I'm off to start. I, I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm off. I thought I thought I was getting my Sundays mixed up. I kept thinking it was a Sunday before, but I think I think that I'm off. Uh, but that's more luck than judgment. And then I hope that the FA Cup semi final is on a sun is picked for TV on the Sunday, not Saturday. Because uh, that's Easter Sunday and it's shop shop, so I'll definitely be off then. Um, um, well, then, last thing before you have to go to bed, Simon. Uh, Everton staying up or going down? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think all along I've been just assuming that at some point they'll pull it together and stay up because Everton always stay up. But I'm increasingly thinking, I just. They are, <laughs> they are really bad, aren't they? I, I cannot. I don't understand why Lampard isn't under more pressure. I thought he'd be, people would be calling for his head. It was such a bad appointment that Lampard appointment. When it, uh, Big Duncan Ferguson was there, happy to just keep them up. What do you two think? I think they're going down. I think they're absolutely garbage. I, the I think the only thing that saved them was probably that win at Newcastle. Because I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think that Burnley. We'll get more points than, than than Everton at the minute. I don't know. I just feel like Burnley got a bit a bit 
a bit about them and a bit of momentum. I really think the heads have gone at Newcastle, uh, Everton. They, well, they just can't. They just. It, it, I mean, they were. They were. I've not. I've not seen too many games. Obviously, the game at Newcastle, they were incredibly lucky to get anything. But then the the game against Palace, Palace just practically just blew them away. I mean, I mean, Palace are playing quite well in it anyway. But for Palace to blow them away in the FA Cup, I just thought they're just. And the, the thing is, I think Burnley peaked. Burnley would win like two games in the back on on in, on the bounce like eight weeks ago. And then since then they've kind of just dropped off a cliff again. They don't unless they get something at the weekend, which hopefully happens against City before uh, before the FA Cup games, that might give them a bit of impetus. But you've got to think that Watford might pull a couple of results out of the bag. But you'd have to say that probably Norwich are down. Leeds look safe because of Jesse Marsh. In fact, they've had two incredible like last minute wins has kind of pulled them clear. Brentford have started to win again. I think that Brentford Burnley game was massive. Um, yeah, I t- Tony and Ericsson back is, yeah. is working for them, isn't it? Um, so, but yeah, they're, I, they're very much expect Everton to finish 17th, absolutely. And I, I mean, and again, I don't think Everton will get to 30 points. I think that's, that's Everton's other biggest problem. Burnley can get to 30 points. I think Burnley will be safe because Everton's running is horrific. Everton have got to play us, they've got to play you, they've got to play Spurs, they've got to play Chelsea, they've got to play City. So I mean, their running is not is not at all kind. These are the, the games that they've lost, are the games that they sh- they should have been they should have been winning easily. I think before the Newcastle game, they've got six points out of the last 60, 60 games. Six points, mad, isn't it? And the thing is, you got to bear in mind, given the regularity with which we do this podcast, we'll know by the next time we record. <laughs> <don't> we? <laughs> we probably will do. Absolutely, we'll want to come by the time we do the next one. Now, given we've lost Ross, and I need to yes. get it feels a good time to wrap it up. I just, Absolutely. I would like to end by just dedicating the program to, uh, dedicating the show to Mike Dean. <laughs> Absolutely, I only find that retiring incredible. I mean, it should make for it should make for a very good, interesting last couple of months, shouldn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, he'll definitely do like a lap of honour or something on his last match. Right? I hope, I hope he gets the uh, the Liverpool City game at the Etihad. <laughs> Get the spotlight on him. And then straight in the jungle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you later, Simon. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.